Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Frame and Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful. Today's guest is Janice Lentz. Janice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Susan, and thank you so much for having me. You bet, you bet. So I know we've chatted before just a little bit, but I'm so so excited to get to know you better and to introduce you to my audience. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I solve problems. Um, and one of the problems that I solve is accessibility for people with hearing loss. I help make the world accessible for people with hearing loss. Powerful. I think I'm when I met a, you, I think sorry. when I met you, yeah. When I met you, Janice, I think you said something that I'd never heard before. And it was how people generally view disability as what you can see. So if you want to comment on that, I thought it was powerful. Yes. So most people, when they think of disability or you hear the word access, people think of physical access because you can see it. And lately, um, the term accessibility has become interchangeable with the word physical, the term physical access. But access is not about physical disabilities. It's about removing all artificial barriers that prevent people with a disability from succeeding. And that applies to people with um, hearing loss, visual impairments, and cognitive disabilities. And I'm not sure why access has morphed into physical access, but it's an incorrect usage of the term. And the problem with hearing loss is you can't see it. And the part that you can see is sign language. So when people think of sign, hearing loss, they think of sign language. But of the vast majority of people with hearing loss don't use sign language. So while sign language is critical to those who use it, it's not, um, it's not for everyone. You know, think about every person who develops a hearing loss, they aren't less likely to um, learn sign language, which is like learning another, like learning a foreign language. But it's a misconception that people with hearing loss use sign language. Some, gotcha. some people they, do, not everyone. Yeah, and is that where lip reading comes in? Lip reading is again, some people use it, some people don't. Some people learn um, and don't even realize they're using it. Frankly, I lip read and didn't even realize that I was lip reading um, until my daughter was born. But I happen to lip read. I, I think a lot of people like to see people's lips, which right now makes right. hearing even more difficult with people wearing face masks. Um, and I think some people who didn't realize that they were lip reading are realizing that because they can't see people's lips. I was just going to ask you about the impact of the COVID-19 face mask requirement on people's ability to communicate. Uh, while hearing um, impaired. So interesting. So what, so tell me more about what you do to solve these problems. Just to add um, one other thing about the face mask, not only um, can people not see lips, but it acts as um, a barrier to speaking and muffles sound. So even for people without a hearing loss, it's really hard to hear with people wearing face masks. Obviously it's critical to wear face masks, but a lot of people are struggling. I know I am and I have missed a ferry because I didn't hear what the person said because their voice didn't project through the face mask. So it's really an issue for even people without hearing loss. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I was just gonna ask, what is your role in solving problems around this issue? 
So my daughter has a hearing loss and that's how I entered the field because I was unwilling to accept the crumbs that people thought people with hearing loss or people with disabilities should have. And so I have gone um, first around New York, now around the country and around the world, educating people on how they can um, remove these artificial barriers that prevent people from hearing loss from accessing their business. And this is where the role of access comes in and um, sign language. People will say, oh, our business is accessible. We have a ramp, but a ramp doesn't help a person with hearing loss. And then they'll say, oh, we have sign language, but sign language is terrific for the people who need it, but it doesn't help the vast majority of the people who have a hearing loss. So there's a lot of misconceptions of what access for people with hearing loss is. And many times, um, let's say museums view it as kind of a menu where you get to pick and choose. And a lot of times, um, museums will have no idea what they need and they will rely on vendors. Vendors sell what's cheapest and easiest to install or generates and or generates the best profit. Places of business should not be relying on, let's say, just a vendor for what they um, should be installing. They should be working with consultants who right. help them figure out what is the best um, access to install based on what the end user needs. I mean, every other business, when they're doing something, they focus on the end user. Somehow businesses, when they're focusing on meeting the needs of people with hearing loss or disabilities, they don't focus on the end user. They focus on the price. And not to say like there should be no limit on price, but when you focus on the end user, you have success and you have a successful client. When you focus solely on price and you put in the cheapest thing, you might as well sometimes put in nothing because if it, access that's not used is not effective. So I help to educate businesses, understand why they need to work with a consultant and not just an installer. Understood, understood. Do you think that sometimes companies just want to check the box and be done with it? I would say 99% of the time they want to check the box. They, it's, it's, it's for the person, depending on the person that's in charge. So now a lot of businesses have added this field of diversity and inclusivity, which sounds really fabulous, except rarely are those people um, that are in charge have hearing loss. Um, right. And lately, a lot of the people who are being hired are based on race, which is terrific. But asking someone to oversee whose focus and expertise is in race to now be the person in charge of disabilities and all disabilities, which are markedly different. It's not like, oh, it's in a range. Physical access requires an architect and engineer. Visual impairment, um, many times because of websites, is focusing on IT people. And hearing access needs IT people, plus probably lawyers to decipher or, and so, which is what I am by training while I'm on retirement status. So you need three very different fields. Now you're asking the person who's in charge of diversity and inclusion, who may have no information based on disability to make decisions. And they're like, may not be interested in it or they may not really care. And so that becomes problematic for people with disabilities. I have to say that I haven't focused on that area, even though I've focused a great deal of my um, 
career on DEI. So I loved when you shared your story with me because I think that, that, you know, I'm a very open person who wants to make sure people feel included and belong. Um, and I had not even thought of that. You're right. When people think access, they think wheelchair and not hearing. So this is part of the reason you're on the show is to, you know, open people's eyes and ears and, and minds to this, you know, better, more inclusive way of looking at um, the challenges, right? Um, what has been your proudest professional accomplishment, would you say? There really are quite a few. I'd say one of them has been working with Build-A-Bear Workshop to develop the first hearing aids for their bears, um, because it was the first mainstream toy company to add hearing aids to the product line so that a child with hearing loss didn't have to um, have the special toy, special being in quotes. Nobody wants the special toy. They wanna to have the same bear just like their friends do. So I love that because the impact on kids was huge. And um, like everything, self-esteem is really important when you're growing up. And for a child to be able to have a toy that reflects what they look like is really important. And what's terrific is companies like Mattel and Lego have followed um, Built Bear's lead. So that was definitely um, one of my favorites. Um, but there've also been you know, projects where I have loved like the New York City Taxi Project because that project was not only about adding the hearing access within the taxi, but by having the ear symbol on the inside and outside of the taxi, it educated people to the concept of taxis because there are now about 3,000 taxis rolling around New York City with the hearing access, which is an induction loop that allows a person with hearing loss to either drive or sit in the, as a passenger in the taxi and hear the sound directly in their hearing aid or cochlear implant when they switch to the T setting. Wow. So not only the access, right? But now you have basically a free branding campaign throughout the five boroughs educating people about the presence of hearing access. And so for me, that was really terrific because I had all these naysayers telling me it was a really stupid project, but I had seen it in London and where it had been successful for a very long time. And I didn't understand why, if it was successful in London, it wouldn't be successful in New York. And so I had to push through all that and, and a lot of a lot of obstacles. That project took nine years. Wow. And so I'm, I, yeah, that's a long time. Um, some of these projects have taken nine years. So I'm proud of that because pushing through for nine years and persevering and standing up to people who threatened me, um, and, and there was someone who threatened me and, and then standing up to, um, a taxi limousine um, franchise owner who said it will never happen. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess it didn't. So I, I like that because it became, people realized they couldn't bully me. They were very accustomed to bullying people with disabilities. And by my standing up on that project and a few others, they realized they couldn't bully people anymore. What a great story. Um, I'm, and I can't wait till the time we can travel again. I'm going to think about you every time I get into a yellow cab. Um, that is really amazing. You are, you're blazing trails, right? That's really, is, has anyone inspired you or mentored you along the way? You know, it's really funny. I am really inspired 
by just like everyday people and, you know, as well as, of course, the greats, you know, in human rights, like, you know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King. But in that particular situation, like the taxis, I was inspired by like this guy who was my taxi driver in London who wore a hearing aid and he was able to work. Um, so I just, I end up learning from everyone. I love my taxi driver to a tour guide. Like I just like being around smart people. It doesn't really matter. I don't need like someone to be famous, to be inspired by them. I was just really inspired by this guy who really explained to me how this worked. And when I saw the impact on my daughter, I was like, this is the most unbelievable thing. How do we not have this? So this was just a taxi driver, just by talking to the taxi driver and not, you know, sitting there in the back. Um, I learned something new, which changed. And your daughter, um, your daughter clearly inspired you to create great change in the world. Um, and, and there's nothing that can stop a mother, right? Um, I love that. Um, on that note, um, she sees her mom doing these great things. She's you're leading by example. How do you think we can, as women, support other women in business? I think the biggest thing that I see is there's definitely an element of some women who resent women for succeeding. Oh, hello. I have been the victim of that. Not, to, yeah, we're not going to get into that, but you bet. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And so, you know, we have a mutual friend, Ruth. Um, who is one of those women who opens the door. You know, when she walks through, she holds the door open for other women. And I would like to see women, not just saying they're going to help women, but actually hold the door open. Right. Um, because I'm tired of helping women and women doing as being a talking point. I want to see action and not words. Words are meaningless to me. Action is how I view and judge people. I agree. And I know Ruth and she does shine a light a lot on a lot of women. Um, I believe that you can advise, refer or hire people you may have never known before. Get to know them, help them. You know, don't just surround yourself in an echo chamber with people who, you know, speak the same language or agree with everything you say. Um, really show us, don't tell us. Right. Um, and, the, and it's a popular catchphrase to say lift women up. Right. But I want to see it. I want to see it in action. I know I give, give, give. I'm not sure that a lot of people give back, right? So if they're paying it forward, that's awesome. Just take some action. Don't just use it as a catchphrase. Right. And I will say like, sometimes it's, you know, you can't pay it back, you know, but I always pay it forward. So I've been surrounded by terrific mentors and my way of giving back is to always pay it forward to other people um, and help them but there are definitely you know there are just you just have to be spurned by just a few people and it does it, it makes you a little more cautious and that's sad i would like to see women really walk the talk yeah i have been very badly burned on more than one occasion because i am a giver and then when i had the courage to ask and make the ask which is something i teach other women to do um being shunned was like what how can you do that? Right. So my biggest life lesson, I think, is to stop expecting the world to treat me as I treat them. Yes. And but I will say I have also um, positioned myself where I do what I think is right. And I do think karma comes around. Um, I agree. And so, you know what? 
it may not be that specific thing, but if you put good out in the world, good comes back to you in ways that you may not necessarily realize. But then when you have like all these really weird, good things happen to you, you're like, okay, that's really strange. Like, how did that just happen? That's kind of like the karma payback, right? I love it. I agree with you totally. Um, speaking of, you know, challenges and setbacks and overcoming them and karma being in your corner, um, have you had a challenge or setback and how did you overcome it? And I'm sure you have, but are you willing to share your story? Oh, yes, I've had many. Uh, I, I mean, it's like almost like we can make this, a, you know, a lifelong a four-hour <laughs> session. I hear you, sister. I've had, <laughs> I've had many. I mean, let, I, you know, and I, I'm very vocal and open about it. You know, I went through um, domestic violence as a child and from an ex-husband. I had a son that died. Um, my daughter wow. almost died. So I have gone through many challenges. Life is not just like, you know, I don't walk between the raindrops. Right. But one thing that I have always um, done is to focus on, I always try to turn obstacles into opportunities and use that as a way. And sometimes it's not so easy to figure out what that is. But I have always tried to figure out like a funny way to do things. Um, and sometimes they're like kind of silly. It's, it's, they're, so I had a broken pipe in my house. I had an ex-husband who um, had to pay for repairing the pipe and he didn't want to. And I couldn't live without a bathroom and a shower and thank God I had excellent insurance. And so they um, put me up in a hotel and it became like a very fancy prison because I couldn't leave the hotel in terms of like, I couldn't go travel. I, could, I had to stay there for four months and I was you know, one, it was a one room hotel and I was kind of stuck. But I realized that you know, the insurance company said, you know, eat wherever I wanted because thankfully we had paid for good insurance. And so I decided to use the opportunity to try all the restaurants I always wanted to try in Manhattan. And I drew up a master list of every place I ever wanted to eat. And I cross-referenced it from um, the world's best list, Michelin, um, Eater Heat Map, Eater 38. Oh, I, I worked that. my way. It, it was unbelievable. 90 meals later, <laughs> I created a hashtag called I eat Manhattan. And wow. it was like, no, 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 this is really crazy. It was the most unbelievable experience. I finished the entire Michelin list minus sushi. And I had the best, best time of like, it was one of the best experiences. And so this right about that. I think that's a remarkable journey. <laughs> I wrote about it for um, an article, um, two different articles, one for Thrive Glo Global and one for um, Grid and Soul. I think, I can't yeah. remember, I'll send, you the I'll send you the link. But, um, awesome. but it was unbelievable because I was eating out so often and so frequently, the chefs noticed because I was using opentable.com. Yeah. And so the chefs noticed and the chefs started coming out to visit, like who is this woman who is like every night eating in an unbelievable, establishment and it then me of that movie um chef did you see that movie yes yes yes, yes. i've seen all <laughs> yeah yes so and they start coming out and they send me they start sending me additional dishes and i was like oh my god i'm so full because like i'm already eating but what was crazy about this whole thing besides doing all this i had only gained five pounds i was and about I thought, to ask you <laughs> of course, every woman every woman says the same thing so 
I thought this is, you know, I didn't suddenly develop this miracle metabolism because nobody has that. And I went to a doctor and I said, something is wrong. And so at first he didn't find anything. And then like two months later, it turned out I had thyroid cancer. And oh my so God. While, no, but while that seems like a negative, it really wasn't in terms of, I got really lucky. If this pipe didn't break and I didn't go on this eating extravaganza, I would have never diagnosed have been diagnosed so early and it was super, super early. In fact, they weren't sure if it was cancer or not. Um, and it turned out, which is really crazy, my COBRA insurance was expiring. I had misdiaried the date. And I was like, okay, it's gotta come out because I don't know what insurance I'm gonna have. So take it out, I don't really care, just take it out. Like we're doing the surgery. And it turned out it was a good thing we did because I did have um, thyroid cancer. We caught it so early, I didn't, it wasn't a huge, um, I didn't need you know, chemo. They only had to remove half the thyroid. So I got super lucky from a broken pipe and I view it as a lucky thing because it would have never been caught. There was no symptoms, no anything other than this really miracle metabolism. And I was really never so thin as during eating all this. So it was really an, a crazy story. So like, that's a perfect story of how to turn a negative into a positive. You're amazing at that. I mean, just you're walking proof that, you know, we are, we create our reality, just be positive, be, live in gratitude. I mean, you can't control everything that happens to you, but you can control how you react or let it impact you. Um, what a remarkable woman you are. Like I thought you were the bee's knees before I had you on the show um, because of the work you did with the New York taxi system. But now I'm just blown away. Like I feel a connection with you now. I feel like people who haven't been through what we have been through um, get upset over the smallest things, right? You now have perspective. Yes. And I, and I do find like, I, I, you know, I, yes, there are people I remember who would be, you know, upset by minor things and no, it takes a lot. And I, I find myself pretty lucky. I mean, I, but because again, if you put good out, it good comes back to you and it just seems to keep happening. And I don't always understand it. Maybe 2021 will be the year for me. <laughs> Um, 2020 has surely kicked me in the bum. Um, I think a lot of people feel that way with COVID and the economy and all kinds of things. But um, let me ask you this. Um, I usually ask, what is the surprising fact about you? But I have a new thing I've been doing lately and I won't do it if you're not game, but if you're game, I will. It's called the wild card question. And if you're game, I'll ask a question that I pull from a box of 144 meaningful questions. And I don't know the question, but if, you get, if you're game to play, I'll pull one out. I'll try it, I may not answer. <laughs> oh, you'll answer, I know you, I know you now. Um, okay, so here's your question. And this one, yeah. What are three key things you really need to be happy in life? Oh, that's a really easy one. Um, I need um, trust. I need, um, and I don't know if honesty is tied is exactly tied in, but I need, um, honesty and transparency. I love so that. I don't you know said that. If that's all one, but I mean, that kind of comes into one. Um, I need travel. I'm a huge travel junkie. So I have to, um, travel and, you know, that's a huge thing. And I need here. great and I need great food. 
Wow. What a great, that's a great list. So I always, I have almost a tagline. It's called, um, I, I, I always say this, please be open, honest, and direct. So there's your number one right there. Um, I too am a travel junkie and miss it terribly. I live five minutes from SFO and I'm like, ah, I want to hop on a plane and go somewhere, but because of COVID, we cannot. Um, and then three, I too love great food. And I think that it's a form of communication, right? How people cook, the types of food, their culture that they put into their food, the spices, the smells. Um, and that goes along with creating a global worldview. And I think you have that. Would you agree? Yes. And I, you know, I just think, you know, that you could have good food, but there's a certain amount of love that goes into food and you yes. can always taste the difference. Like when you go to, you know, someone who really loves cooking and you go to their house and they present dinner and it's nothing about being fancy, but they make a really great meal where they cooking, you know, all day for you to do it or even an hour, but they really care. And they put all those little special touches, like, you know, setting the table. I find that the nicest thing someone can do is to have me to their house for dinner. I, I just agree. love it. It's really like taking care of your friends. And I love doing it for other people. And I love when someone does it for me. So for me, that's really special. But even buying like food where someone like is like the best ice cream or the best chocolate or the best something. Like I just want, I love seeing the creativity in it, the, the love that goes into it. It's not about like Instagram. Um, it's about like, just, I just love it's a warm hug. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a warm, that's exactly it. It's a warm hug. You know, I'm from New Orleans, so I hear what you're saying. It's a part of the culture. It's a language. It's a form of communication. Exactly. And I just, for me, food, and I think, you know, you really appreciate it now. Um, you know, it's like my, my son did go to visit his sister in London. And he brought me back and I'm probably like the only person in the world who loves um, a Christmas fruitcake. Like yes, what I do. Yes, you are. <laughs> I'm like, I love them. And my kids think it's crazy, but he brought me back a Christmas fruitcake from London. It was the best. I loved it. My like husband to me, that used to make fruitcakes. He used to make <laughs> and send them to people. And I'm like, you know, I don't think people like fruitcake, honey. <laughs> Now we know you do. So maybe I'll get him to send them to you. Um, send it to me. I love a really good fruitcake, but he brought me back one and it was just so thoughtful. Like it meant so much to me. That's so nice. And they're beautiful to look at. I'll say that much. Um, well, let me ask you, uh, Janice, if people want to get to know more about your amazing story, and I think they should, I would love to learn more myself. Um, tell us how we can reach you. So there are two websites. Um, one is my business, hearingaccess.com. And then the other is about my advocacy, janicelentz.com. And folks, we'll put all this in the blog that I write about Janice. She's going to send me her bio and the links and uh, any information, even her, um, you know, her, her hashtag and her story about her food journey is, is, is what I'll call it, her restaurant, her, her tasting journey. Um, we'll put all that in the blog and you'll also have her contact information so that you two can reach out and get to know someone I now think is a huge plus in my life. I'm so glad and grateful to know you, Janice. Oh, I'm so happy to know you as well. And um, this was just so much fun. I, I, I could see we're kindred spirits.
You bet. You bet. I mean, at one point I was tearing up and we'll go, we'll talk more about that later, but um, you're quite a courageous woman and I'm honored to know you. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. You bet. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in.